Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Lord, today we come before you a nation in need of a miracle. A miracle of healing, a miracle of restoration, a miracle of understanding. Lord, we're, we're in need of all those things in our lives, in our nation right now. And Father, we, we don't dismiss right now in this moment the frustration, the anger, the confusion that is prevalent in our land today. God, in this moment, we declare that even in the face of it all, you are high and lifted up. We look to you today as our source. We look to you today as our strength. We look to you today for healing, oh God. We ask you, Lord, to touch every heart, oh Jesus. Lord, would you just be the healing balm in Gilead, oh God. Would you just move in the lives of people today, God. Lord, bind up the brokenhearted. Heal those that are hurting today, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. And we give you the glory, the praise, and the honor for it all in the strong name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. I just want to extend to you an opportunity right now, those of you that are here in the house, maybe those of you that are watching online, we're going to drop a form in the comments here in just a second. You can let us know if you have a prayer request. But maybe there's someone here right now that you've got a need in your life and you just want to slip a hand to heaven and say, I need, I need God's help. I need the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I see hands going up all over this place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Would you just agree with me right now? And those of you that are home, we're praying for you as well. Father, we come to you in the strong name of Jesus, Lord. And God, we lift the needs of all those that are here with us today. God, those that are watching at home that have expressed need. Lord, even though we didn't hear it in this room, God, you've heard the faintest whisper this morning. Father, we believe that you're able to touch and to heal, to move, oh God. We pray, Lord, that you would be the healer. God, that you would be the provider. Lord, that you would be the way maker, God. Lord, in every situation, in every circumstance, oh God, that you would open the windows of heaven, oh God, and show yourself mighty. And Lord, we give you the praise, the glory, and all the honor. And we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Would you just give the Lord praise in his house today? Come on, church. Lift up the name of Jesus. Lift up the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're going to transition here in just a minute because I want to share with you the word that the Lord has put on my heart. But I just want to simply say this about giving today as it was last week at the concluding song. If you feel so moved, you want to come up and, and make offerings here, you can do so here at the altar. Otherwise, our men will be posted at the back door with you and they will serve you there. But uh, we thank you for your faithful, continued financial support of the ministries of Faith Assembly Church. Uh, as well, those of you that are watching online, you'll find a giving link in the comments here in just a little bit. But uh, we are so thankful. We have a number of ways, not only the physical giving here, but a number of digital options as well through the app or our website, even text to give. And we do so appreciate you supporting the ministries. And I'm going to tell you something. I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ 
is going forward in this moment right now like never before. Amen? Do you believe that, church? Do you believe that? If you believe that, shout unto Jesus and worship him here with this last song before we transition into the word. week, the Lord just began to birth and burden a message in my heart about the power of Pentecost. And I want to share that with you today, church, because I believe that this world is in need of a church of the living God to rise up in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit like never before. Never has there been a time when there was such a need for spirit-filled believers as there is right now in this present time. As in this present time, I'll go ahead and tell you we had a great first service here this morning. Wonderful, wonderful crowd of folks who were here with us, very responsive. So there's going to be some group participation here this morning. And uh, some of you just said, oh. But listen, I need you to help me here this morning. There, as I said, there's going to be some group participation. And those of you that are watching online with me this morning, if you want to shout a few things in the comments, we would certainly appreciate that. As always, we've got a pastor who is uh, hosting that service online this morning. So if you look around, see any of our pastors this morning with their heads down, they are paying attention to what's going on. They're just hosting our online viewers this morning and uh, interacting with them. But listen, hey, we need a change in this world. We need a change in this world, church. And, and listen, listen, Jesus has always been a change agent. Jesus has always been an agent of change. As a matter of fact, Jesus' earthly ministry is marked by the introduction of change and the shift of paradigms and thought patterns about things. You, you often hear Jesus say things like, you've heard it said before, but I say unto you, as a matter of fact, just like we were talking about, give us revelation, Lord, to help us see things the way you do. That's what Jesus was doing here when he walked this earth. He was shifting perspective and he was shifting paradigm from natural and carnal thoughts and functions to kingdom thoughts. He said, you heard it said this thing or that thing, but I say unto you, and Jesus was all about change. As a matter of fact, 
Jesus' entire earthly ministry, the whole purpose of his coming to earth was to change the way that it was being done. That's it. The, the whole purpose of his ministry here was to change the way things were being done. And I want to challenge you with this thought today. Today, when there's so much unrest and uncertainty in the world, I want to challenge you with the thought that Jesus still wants to change things and he wants to use you. He still wants to change things and he wants to use you. How willing are you going to be? How receptive are you going to be to what he wants to change? Now in John's gospel, we see Jesus again preparing his disciples for a shift. He's been with them now for three years. They've become accustomed to the way things are. How many of you get comfortable with the way things are? You're used to things being a certain way, and then something comes up and it changes that, and you no longer have that luxury or that comfort anymore. Then we begin to get a little antsy, and Jesus is here. John chapter 16, if you're following along this morning, I want you to go ahead and find your spot there in Scripture. We're going to visit some other places, but that's going to be our main text today. John chapter 16, so find that spot. But, but Jesus is there, and he's beginning to prepare his disciples for this shift. They've been accustomed for three years now to a certain way of life and ministry, but things are about to change. And, and I'm not going to remain, uh, things are not going to remain the same as they have been, Jesus is saying, but he's getting ready to announce a new way of God moving in the lives of those people. What he's saying to them is this, listen, you've walked with me for three years. You've been with me. You've heard me speaking to the multitudes. You've seen me healing the, healing the lame and raising the dead to life again. And, and people have beheld the witness of my life. But things were about to change. Some things are going to be different. And, and, and Jesus is recording their preparing. Jesus is recorded their preparing his disciples for his soon departure from them and his subsequent return to heaven. Jesus says that he's leaving. And guess what? His disciples don't like it. They're not thrilled about it. They're not excited to hear Jesus say this. And I want to ask you this. When you're spending time in your prayer closet and you're waiting before the Lord and you're praying and saying, oh God, search me, Lord, and know my heart and, and change me, God. How many of you are reluctant sometimes to be receptive and excited about the things that the Holy Spirit drops in your heart that need to change? Two hands way up high. I am often reluctant to just get all excited about what the Lord says needs to change in my life. And his disciples are there in this moment. And Jesus said, hey guys, some things are getting ready to change. And they're very reluctant to this change. They said, Lord, no. And they're, they're grieving this fact. And we don't have time to go through this whole, uh, all of the particulars of this verse today. But basically what Jesus is saying to them is this. This has been a regional operation, but we're about to go global. 
He said, this has been a regional operation, but we're about to go global. This has been a short-term, three-year operation, but I'm getting ready to establish things for the long haul so that it's no longer that people have to be present with me physically to see my life manifest, to see my miracle work in power, to observe me in action, but I'm getting ready to set things up so that through your life, through your testimony, through your witness, people will see my life manifest and the world will be changed. Now, he's, listen, Jesus says, this, listen, this has been about my life as God incarnate. I was healing the sick. I was raising the dead. I was leading folks to redemption. I sacrificed my life for the salvation of many. But moving forward, however, it's not going to be about what I'm doing in the flesh, but it's going to be about what I'm doing through the flesh. Are you with me? And, and he said the sick are going to be healed. The dead are going to be raised. Folks are going to be led to redemption because you, your life, is going to be the living testament of my life. And then we read these words in John chapter 16. And we're going to pick it up here in verse 7. And it says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Now, if you take notes, if you're taking notes this morning, if you're following along your scripture, I hope that you're a note taker. I hope you're a scribbler. I hope you're a highlighter, underliner, whatever you are. Because there's a couple of phrases here I want you to underline in this verse. The phrase, come to you, is number one. And Jesus says, but if I depart, and here's the second phrase, I will send him to you. He says, I'm going to go away and the comforter is going to come to you. And if I go away, I will send him. Come on, help me here. If I go away, I'm going to send him. All right, everybody change that now and say to me. If I go away, Jesus says, I'm going to send the comforter. There you go. You got it. You got it. Very good. All right. Nevertheless, he says, I tell you the truth, that it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. We flip over in Luke's gospel and then we find a similar interaction between Jesus and his disciples. This time it is a post-resurrection appearance of Jesus to his disciples. He's already been buried. He's already resurrected on the third day. And he's there with them. And he begins then, he, he opens up their understanding so that they can understand how his life and his ministry has fulfilled all of the law and the prophets that were written about him. And, and he, he reminds them of the significance of his earthly ministry. And then he reminds them of the significance of their earthly ministry. How many of y'all have a ministry this morning? Come on, let me see your hands all over this place. I should see them all. I should see every one of them, that we all have a ministry. Amen? 
and, and he reminds them of the significance of their earthly ministry. But his anticipation, however, and here's the good news today, his anticipation was not that they were going to perform their ministry in the strength of their own flesh. It was not going to be their willpower. It was not going to be their determination. It was not going to be their skill and ability that was going to help them to execute the ministry task. And he says this, Behold, Luke 24, 49, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with Nine o'clock, 10.45, it doesn't matter. They're all asleep. Tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with... All right, one more time. You got it, you got it, you're getting there. Tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with... Yes! And in the opening book of Acts, understand this, Luke not only wrote the gospel that bears his name, but he also wrote the book of Acts that we read in the New Testament. And the book of Acts is Luke's continued record of the gospel, the birth of the church, the spread of the gospel to his friend Theophilus. And in the opening verses, he begins his introduction to this book where he left off there in chapter 24 with Jesus pronouncing this promise. And here in these verses, these opening verses of the book of Acts, the promise and the power are personified. We find out where this power comes from. And Luke begins to write, and he says in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. You've heard this before. You heard it when I was telling you, when, when John recorded it, that I was sending the Holy Spirit. But he says, you've heard this promise from me before. For John truly baptized in water, but you shall be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Listen church I want to tell you something today it is so vital to the mission. Do you understand the repeat of this? Luke concludes a gospel with Jesus telling his disciples that they would receive power, that they needed to tarry in Jerusalem. The mission was so critical. The task was so important that they didn't need to leave. They needed to put life on hold and they did not need to leave Jerusalem until they were endued with and he opens the book of Acts the same way. And he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. It's so vital to the mission. It's so important to the narrative that Luke wants Theophilus to remember this. And the Holy Spirit, I believe, church, wants you and I to remember it today as well. In, in just a few verses now, Luke is going to resume this narrative. And, and with Jesus and his followers gathered there at what would be soon be the point of his ascension back into heaven, Luke records Jesus saying these words in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You know it well. Say it with me. And you shall receive after the Holy Spirit has come upon you 
to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth or the ends of the earth. The promise is clear. The promise is clear and the person is clear. We know where we're to receive the power from. We know how God's power is going to be ushered into our lives and it's going to come to us through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. The promise is clear, but here's what I believe. Here's what I believe based on a lifetime of observation of church life. And that is this. There has been a great reduction, not in the availability of the power, because I believe what Peter said on the day of Pentecost, that this Power is available to you and to your children and to as many as are far off. And I believe this gospel is just as relevant in the year 2020 as it was in the day that Peter stood on the day of Pentecost and proclaimed this message. But I believe based on a lifetime of church observations, church life observations, that there has been a great reduction in our understanding of the power that Christ is actually extending to us here in these verses. And what I'm about to say, listen to me, if you're watching this morning and just understand this, what I'm about to say by no means needs to be reported to any of the Assemblies of God officials because I am fully adherent of and practicing of the 16 statements of fundamental truths. I believe, I believe in that doctrine. I believe in the doctrine of Pentecost. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the person of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that he is active and alive in the church today. But I want to tell you something. While I take no issue with the church in the position of this matter, I can tell you this. A correct position doesn't always translate into a correct practice. I want to say that again. A correct position does not always translate into a correct practice. Oh, y'all not helping me here. You see, I believe in many instances and in a lot of places... We have minimized the power that's offered us through the baptism of the Holy Spirit to something that's a little more of a badge of honor that we wear in the house of God around those of like faith, but it never makes a difference in the world around us. And if I understand the directive of Jesus and the purpose for which he pronounced Pentecostal power, I understand as well that that power was given with a purpose, and that purpose was for the church of the living God to be able to change the world around us. And we've reduced the power of the Holy Spirit to simply equate to things like speaking with other tongues and spiritual manifestations in the confines of a church service, tongues and interpretations, prophecies and words of knowledge. And listen, I'm not denying their place in the church. I, I understand that. I've probably got a better doctrinal grasp than anybody in the room. I get it. I, I, I believe in it. I understand it. But that's not all there is to this power. That's, and, and as a matter of fact, that's not even where this power is supposed to begin to be manifest in our lives. Listen, perhaps even sometimes we've, we've 
reduce the power of the Holy Spirit in, that in the name of spiritual empowerment we've been given the ability to exhibit an arrogant spiritual superiority on Facebook as we argue with someone else why they're wrong and we're also right. We, we've made it seem like some kind of merit badge if you can speak with other tongues and we've led folks to believe that if they can do that then they've reached the pinnacle of Christianity. Let me tell you this, church, I don't care what kind of tongue you speak in, you can speak in every tongue you want to, but unless your life reflects the person and the power of Jesus Christ, you've not yet begun to walk in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and you've not yet begun to tap into the power that Christ promised to us. In fact, Paul said to the Corinthian church, that very familiar passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and I have not love, I feel the anointing of God in this place right now. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and I have not love, I have become nothing. A sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. This, my friend, is evidence that God didn't send the Holy Ghost simply to give you a prayer language. I don't care what prayer language you've got. If you get riled up with the girl at Burger King over the pickles on your burger, you don't have anything. Listen, it's a power to witness. It's a power to witness, but witness to what? Can I tell you, church, that we don't have anything we don't have anything or wor- of worth or value to share with a lost and dying world unless we have a testimony of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ to bring new life and to regenerate that which was dead in trespasses and sin and change it into a new creation that bears his glorious image. <laughs> Listen. Jesus said this. We read it last week in Luke, uh, John chapter 16. This is why we covered this last week. He said of the whole, Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, He will glorify me for He will take what is mine and declare it to you. And how does this witness work? This witness works in that the Holy Spirit has taken what is of Christ, revealed it to you, and brought it to fruition in your life. And after it comes to pass in your life, after you're walking and living in the resurrected power of Jesus Christ, then through the life that you live, the Holy Spirit then shows that to the world. Hmm. And as Paul points out here, however, your message has no credibility when your words and your walk don't match. I said your message has no credibility when your words and your walk don't match. You, can, you, can, you can't say one thing in any language and live something different in another and have credibility. 
The Holy Spirit didn't come to give you the gift of gab. He didn't come to help you win arguments. The power of the Holy Spirit is not a special gift that enables us to convince everybody of a somebody who's supposed to change their lives, yet our lives bear no witness of the change that we propose to other people. No, sir, I'm telling you today that your witness doesn't begin with your words. Your witness doesn't begin with your words. Your witness begins with your walk. And the world, listen, here's the deal. The world already knows your message. The world already knows your message. What is your message? What's our message, Pastor Steve? Our message is this, that if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things are made new. That's what we tell the world that this servant Jesus is all about. What we tell the world is that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people called out of darkness and into his marvelous light to show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness. But when there's nothing about our lives that bear witness to the fact, it doesn't matter what we say. It doesn't matter what we say. Listen, you know, you, you, we, we, we see these things going on. Your, your message is that you've been made more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. And that if you know my Jesus, you're going to know peace. If you know Jesus, then you'll have joy. But listen, sometimes we're living so low on the oil of the Holy Ghost that we're not walking in these things ourselves. And it begs the question of a lost and dying world. Why do I want to waste my Sunday morning in a church? Why do I want to waste my evening reading a Bible and praying? Why do I want to waste my time with this if they're no better off than I am? You might say, well, Pastor, you're hurting my feelings this morning. I don't, I don't like what you're saying about me. But let me tell you this. Listen, I'm not trying to be ugly to anybody. But I'm trying to say that there are a lot of believers who are living beneath their privilege because they're not partaking of the power that's made available to them through the anointing and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, again, I say all this. I, I don't really fault the individual believer for this. Because I believe that it's what the church has made of it that has brought us to where we are. We've made it about a tongue. We've made it about a prophecy. And yes, there's a place for that. But let's not forget the primary purpose for which Christ stated that he would send the Holy Spirit. And that would be to be a witness. You shall receive after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses. We've made it about so many other things. But a witness of what? A witness of what? What does it mean to be a witness? I can tell you what it means to be a witness. I can tell you what it means to be a witness. What it means to be a witness is this. There was a blind man in the New Testament recorded, and Jesus passed by him and touched him and healed him of his blindness. That man was brought into a court of law to testify against Jesus. And that man said, listen, whether this man is a sinner or not, I don't know. But the thing that I do know is that I was blind and I met Jesus. And the power of God at work in him 
touched me and changed my life and I'm no longer the same. I was blind, but now I can see. I'm a different person now because Jesus has touched my life. <laughs> you see, we're not called to witness simply to the historical reference of a man. We're not called to give this world a history lesson about a guy that came and walked in supposed perfection for three years, 33 years here on this earth, and then was crucified after three years of earthly ministry. That's not our job. We're not here to witness a theological position that we've learned someplace. We're not just to tell people about a man who died on a cross. A lot of people have died on a cross. Do you understand that? But the difference is there's one man that died on a cross to free us from sin and to open up the gates of heaven that the glory of God could be poured out in our lives and we would live in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, we need to be able to witness firsthand about our experience with a king who gave his life as a ransom for my sins, who was buried on and raised again on the third day, and now his resurrection power is shaping me and changing me and delivering me and developing me from what I was into the likeness of who he is. And I am to be a witness to the life of Christ and the change that his life has made in mine. And here's the deal. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. And the word says that we're to be changed from glory to glory to glory into the image of his son. But let me tell you this. I can't do that on my own. I've got to have that power that's been made available to me. You see, because until a hurting world can witness the change that we claim is being made in our lives through the power of Jesus Christ and the anointing of the Holy Ghost, they don't care what we have to say. Save your bedtime story for somebody else. But show me the manifestation of the life of God in your carnal being through the power of the Holy Ghost, and then you've got my attention. Because if all I wanted to do is be what you are in the power of what you can muster up, I can accomplish that by myself. Thank you very much. But I can't be by myself what the Holy Ghost can make you be. I can't be by myself what the anointing of God can produce in me. And when we get a hold of that church, that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit doesn't begin in our lives and culminate with a word, but it starts with a walk, and that walk is walking like Jesus walks then we'll be a hold of something. Then we'll see change. If I'm to be a witness of the life of Christ and the change that it's made in my life, then, then and only then does a hurting world care what I've got to say. Listen, this world doesn't care about our tongues and interpretation. 
this world. They could care less about your prophecy. They could care less about your Jesus when you harbor bitterness and prejudice in your heart. They don't want to know the source that makes you what you are outside of the life-changing power of Jesus because they can accomplish that on their own. But when you and I get up every day and we lay ourselves on the altar before God and we crucify this flesh and we say, God, I'm not going to sow to the flesh today and reap destruction, but I'm going to sow to the Spirit and live I'm not going to be ruled by the lusts of the flesh today, but I'm going to be led by the Spirit. I'm not going to allow my opinion of this world to dictate my relationship with my fellow man, but I'm going to allow the love of Christ to compel me to love and good works. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, it's my desire to love my neighbor as myself, no regardless of what color his skin is, regardless of what his theology is like. I don't care if he's annoying. I don't care if he's friendly. I don't care if he's mean as a snake or nice as he can be. I'm going to love him with the love of Christ. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to get up today and walk in victory. Oh, my God, there's some believers need this word here. Because there's some believers who would who need to settle in themselves that they'd rather walk, they'd rather shout the victory of God than have the sympathies of man. Some folks are so busy safeguarding a pitiful spirit so that somebody will feel sorry for them and cater to them and commiserate with them. They don't have time to interest themselves with what is available to them through the power of the Holy Spirit. But I can promise you this. He's got something far better for you than any person has to offer. And you better get in your prayer closet and you better shut yourself away with the Lord and pray through until you find victory in the name of Jesus to come out of that place and say, I've got victory through the blood of Jesus Christ. I've been made more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me and I'm not going to wallow under the devil's spirit of defeat anymore. You know, we say, there's an old adage in the church, we like to say we're saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. In other words, we're saved and we're set apart from this world and we're filled with the Holy Spirit. But I want to tell you something. Until there's a contrasting quality in your life that points people to the reality of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, you're not. You're empty, you're undone, and you're destitute. But you don't have the power of God at work in your life. Stop saying you're saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost if you can't love your neighbor. Just stop it. Don't don't say that anymore because until there's a contrasting quality between the life of the believer and the life that's manifest in the world out there, you're not. But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses. Oh my God, you're going to get up and you're going to break the vices and you're going to break the chains and you're going to break the things that have been holding you back. You're going to begin to walk in victory. You're going to leave the grave cloths behind you. You're going to stand up in the power of the Holy Ghost and not be led 
by the spirit of this world anymore. You shall receive. Oh, Jesus. Preach my heart out and that's what you give me. Come on. And you shall receive after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I want to take you back to John 16 here real quick and then we're going to close. Then we're going to close. Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit had come, he would convict the world. And I want to bring some clarity to this thought right now. Yeah, you can go ahead and stand up. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am sending the Holy Spirit to you. Right? The Holy Spirit is coming to you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's coming to me. He's coming to me. He's coming to me. Type it in the chat right now. He's coming to me. Oh, glory to God. He's coming to me. Woo. Mm. I feel like he's getting ready to come to somebody in this place right now. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. He's coming to somebody right now in their living room. He's coming to somebody right now in that house. Oh, my God. The devil had confused you for so long. You've been beat down and destroyed and defeated. But I feel that liberty is coming to your house right now. Right now in Jesus' name. Lord, let there be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit right now. But see, Jesus said this. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you. But here's how we often interpret that. I'm unleashing the Holy Ghost on the world and he's going to bring conviction. No witness, no reflection of the person of Christ in the world. Just ambiguously the Holy Ghost is coming and he's going to shake people and grab them from where they are. That's not what Jesus said. He said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you. Tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you. And when he comes, and we've got to refer, even though it's not stated there, we've got to come back. And when he comes to you, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Why is that? It doesn't follow rational logic. Because Jesus said he's going to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, because they see me no more. It's not that they don't see him in person, but what they're going to begin to see is a human being just like them that is set ablaze with the fire of the Holy Ghost that bears the life of Christ, a manifestation of the glory of God. And that is going to bring conviction into this world, church. I'm telling you, when the church of the living God gets on their face before God Almighty and prays again and believes for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost, there's going to be a revival in this land. Yes, sir, I know there are cities burning across this nation, but I'm declaring revival right now. I know that there's trouble and adversity, but I'm declaring revival right now because I believe the church of the living God is going to get on their face before God. And they're going to say, Jesus, you said that I would receive power after the Holy Spirit had come upon me. And listen, 
this power, it's not just something by which we bring others subject to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The power offered us through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is to first bring ourselves in the subjection to the life of Jesus Christ and work, walk in the fullness of what he's offered us. And you see, the issue is too often the Holy Spirit's trying to change things in us. He wants to send that fire to burn stuff out of us, the impurities and the dross. And we, like the disciples, we're resistant to that. And Jesus is saying, wait a minute, it's expedient for you that the Holy Spirit come. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, there's going to be a change in your life. And it's going to help you be a witness for me in this lost and dying world. Oh, come on, somebody. John, uh, Paul wrote to the church at Rome and he said this. If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, He's going to quicken your mortal body by His Spirit that lives in you. Some people think that verse is dealing with resurrection from the dead, but it's not. What he's saying there is if the same Spirit that was able to resurrect Christ lives and abides in you, that same Spirit is able to resurrect the life of Christ in you. And you're going to live like you never thought you could live before. Why? Because you're going to stop trying to live it in your strength. You're going to stop trying to live it because grandma told you that was the way you were supposed to live. You're going to live it in the anointing and in the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is what we're going to do. Listen, I know there's protocols in place and I want to respect that right now. But I believe there's some people in this place that are hungry for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And if that's you this morning and you're comfortable with doing so, I want to let you know these altars are open right now. You can step out from where you are. Come here. Be mindful of those around you. Be, be respectful of their space. But if you, if you want a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life, come and join me right here. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Right now at home, if you need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, just stretch your hands to heaven right now. Just lift your hands to heaven right now and begin to say, Lord, I want to receive whatever you've got for me right there in your seat, wherever you are. Just begin to call out to God right now. Jesus. Jesus. I want more
come to you through the shed blood of Jesus Christ to stand in the holy place to get behind the veil for your glory and your presence wash over us Lord in such a powerful in such a dynamic way that we not only have been changed at some point in the past, but we are presently being changed by the manifest power and glory of God in our lives. Father, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. We stand poised to receive your power, O oh God, to be your witnesses in Winterville and Pitt County and North Carolina in the United States and around the globe set us on fire oh God set us on fire Lord God that there would be such a testament of the life of Christ in the church oh God Lord, that we would be an effective witness, oh Jesus. Because your word says, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witness. And God, we know that the most effective witness we can be is to be something that we can't be without the anointing and the power of God present and active in our lives. Anoint us fresh, oh God. Set a fire in our souls. Set us ablaze with the power of the Holy Ghost, oh God. Not to impress man, but that there would be a revival in this land, an awakening, oh God that the knowledge of your glory and goodness would cover this earth like the waters cover the sea, oh God. Father, we ask for it all in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. 
and all God's people said, amen, amen. Listen to me, those of you that are viewing at home right now. If the Holy Spirit's been speaking to your heart and your life about a change, something in this word is borne witness to you of the life of Christ. I want to just pray a simple prayer with you right now and all of us together in this sanctuary are joined in with you. Just very simply to say, Father, thank you for your great love for me. I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. I fall upon your grace and your mercy, oh God. I rest in you right now in this moment to cleanse me of my sin and my iniquity. Your word says that if I confess my sin, that you're faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. God, I commit my life to you from this moment forward and pledge to allow you to live through me. Friend, if you prayed that simple prayer this morning, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, we believe that you're born again and you've started a new and glorious journey. We'd love for you to fill out the prayer card that's connected in the chat here or just drop a comment in this section under the video here and we would love to get our pastoral team in touch with you and help you go to the next step in your walk with Jesus but until then listen church it's been so good to be here in the presence of the Lord with you this morning I pray that God blesses you in abundance and that his Holy Spirit just resonates in your heart and in your life for the days and the hours to come and that you walk in the victory that Christ has afforded you. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. It's been good to be with you this morning. Until next time, we'll see you. We pray that you have a Jesus-filled week. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.